Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. In the first part of Carl uh, Scotland's journey, uh, we hear about his uh, musical journey and how he discovered himself in terms of uh, being in software, being a consultant in multiple uh, uh, companies, as well as how he developed a sense of curiosity and creating organizational change. In the second part, Carl actually talks about some of the basic building blocks of an agile transformation and how you can how he himself started thinking of uh, becoming a agenda shifter and that is key in terms of uh, e for each and every person to self realize what are the possibilities very interesting conversation listen on i think um, uh, what you mentioned is a very clean strategy in terms of saying okay what what is the right way to start looking at it and create those building blocks um, of uh, movement or a change or interventions that you want to do um, i know you speak uh, in uh, in the speaking circuit about strategy of uh, change and itself and multiple models of strategy uh, at every level it could be at a team level overall organization business unit level and things like that uh what got you started in creating these models because when you talk about agenda shift itself it makes perfect sense right where do you want to go and how do you get there and uh, understanding the obstacles so ensuring that uh, that needs a master facilitator right without you without really being that so i mean what were what got you started here to uh, what you are having in terms of saying you do mm. all this kind of large scale consulting with lot of organizations so uh, i know you started as a software engineer and then you experimented many offices but what was the pivotal that shifted you to uh, do the current role um i i, I so i guess that's another thing it's a, it's been a bit of a journey but you know probably going back to um you know when i was working as a you know as a i guess effective as a scrum master um working with organizations where scrum just wasn't working um and and um the you know the my learning from that and some of that was me coming in and kind of going hey i'm i'm really passionate about scrum i'm a scrum master i'm going to make everybody do scrum so there was a bit of a learning kind of learning that that was my early learnings around not imposing processes on people but also early learnings about hey actually in those contexts scrum wasn't necessarily the right thing you know the and that's round about the time when i started uh um kind of getting into kanban and the more lean side of things so kanban then gave me a way of kind of going okay now i can see some different ways of solving these problems that are that are going to generate less resistance or kind of reduce the friction that 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 i'm getting from scrum um so so kanban gave me a more i know some more theory and some more principles around how to achieve 
flow. Um, and I guess then that led me into more about how do you help organizations design or teams or design their own processes rather than me coming in and trying to give them a process. Um, and partly that was, was um, you know, that's just kind of a, a natural evolution. But I guess from Kanban, I got into lean a little bit. Um, at the time then I started working for, for Rally Software. Um, and, you know, Rally was a, a great organization to work for because they were, you know, ahead of the curve in terms of the way they were doing things. They were doing they were doing things that that um, looked like safe before safe came out, um, uh, you know, before safe came <laughs> safe became the thing it is today. Um, but, you know, they were doing, you know, multiple team plannings, you know, kind of regular planning cadences with all the teams together. But alongside that, as an organization, we had a strategy cadence as well where we'd look at the organizational strategy on a on a quarterly cadence and we started bringing in strategy deployment techniques that's when i um first came across the x matrix um and that experience and i just a lot of things clicked together in my head it's like oh, okay I, I get it now i can see how all these pieces fit together and i can see how i could use this with a with a, an agile transformation to help organizations figure out what their strategy is and the, the realization i guess was that coming in as a coach just to kind of implement scrum is a very tactical thing to do um you know that's that's you know a lot of the time that's fairly explicit can you come in and implement scrum or implement agile so doing the idea of doing agile is a very tactical thing and we always talk about doing agile versus being agile but um I think having agility is a is a is the third difference I would make, and having agility or be, being that kind of a, being agile is more of a strategic thing. What you do on the ground is then the doing agile is a tactical thing. So that that kind of difference between the tactics and the strategy, and then actually what you need to do is help organisations understand how agile is going to help them at a strategic level, either how it helps their strategy, or how it helps as a strategy. And then you can connect that down to the tactical things you're doing and make sure that, you know, whatever you're doing as a process is helping you achieve agile as a strategy. Um, now, I guess just saying agile as a strategy, I think, is a bit meaningless. And therefore, you had to kind of unpack that a little bit into typically it's things like, well, flow. We want to achieve flow or we want to more be more kind of product focused or value focused as an organization um, or something I think around kind of sustainability or uh, as an organization or, or the kind of the, the long-term potential as an organization. So these are all things that agile helps with, but if you can kind of understand what the organization is trying to achieve from a, from an improvement perspective, then, then any transformation, we can tie it back, help people understand, okay, what are we going to do, which is going to help us achieve flow or help us be more product focused and then we can also put some some indicators, some metrics, or whatever we want to call them, in place. You know, I typically call, just call it evidence. Um, what evidence will we look for that that's going to help us understand whether we're doing the right thing? And that's important because we're we're treating these things as a hypothesis and experiments. You have to have some way of knowing whether your whether your hypothesis is right or not. So that's I guess that's the you know the 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 journey I, I went through that got me into. Um, if I don't want to impose or inflict agile on people, then I have to treat it as a strategic thing. Um, and therefore, how do you bring in some of those strategy deployment elements of lean into agile transformations? In fact, uh, you think about agile and strategy, strategy right? If you, uh, I mean, 
really strategy means something which is long term which is more lasting or uh, lasting for long and uh, when we think about agile also they say sustainable and it stays with you rather than saying okay are you doing it sort of a thing i think it makes sense but i i am impressed that uh, many uh, of the you know, practitioners i don't see that connection you say okay uh, guess what i have these uh, 10 practices um, just make it happen so we are sometimes yeah. i find uh, myself uh, working with uh, scrum masters and coaches and uh, i have to make that unlearning happen with them because uh, sometimes the change makers themselves if you are not adaptable to change then uh, if you can't reach to the core then we have a different problem right so i think you are bang on in terms of saying okay are you able to think long term and are we also nimble at the same time yeah so that uh, I, i remember walking into one organization um and, and one of the the kind of early questions that i got asked as as this coach walking in was so how are we going to know whether this agile thing has worked i thought you know that's that's a really powerful question but actually i kind of went well and i'm not sure whether i kind of said it as flippantly as this but but my general response was how how do you know whether anything is working because it's it's not about whether agile work it's not agile for agile's sake we're bringing agile in because we think it's going to help the organization achieve some other goal what's that other goal how do we know whether we're achieving what that other goal is um and then that's that that's that kind of a, the strategy it's like what's the organizational strategy we were implementing agile hopefully to help us achieve that strategy how do we know whether that strategy is working and that's that kind of meta thing where one agile should help us meet an organizational strategy so it's part of deploying a strategy but also i think agile is or elements of agility are strategies in themselves so i think of strategy um uh, kind of like the definition of strategy which is is the guiding policies that that help us decide what to do so they're more they're not so they are decisions but they're really high level decisions they're decisions about how we make decisions so when we when we're into kind of the tactical stuff and we're kind of going well what do we do do we do a b or c well which of those is most aligned to our strategy then that's how we decide what to do so strategies are about choices um and i, I there's a there's a um technique called even overstatements so um you you describe something in terms of do we you know we choose to do a even over doing b and the even bit and the even over bit is the b should still should be a good thing to do so it's not we choose to do a good thing over a bad thing um we choose to do a, a good thing even over another good thing so what are those hard trade offs that we're making that's really the 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 essence of strategy rather than just doing the easy things or the things that we just think we should be doing um so what what when i kind of came across that technique you know the thing that jumps out at me is well that's that even over but it's kind of like the agile manifesto so what if you and i i i read a blog post about this as a is a kind of thought exercise what if you rewrite the manifesto where you say um you know ind- individual interactions even over something else because because we treat the interaction as as individual interaction is good over process and tool bad but actually process and tools are good so how do you frame process and tools as a good thing um what what are the good things that come out of process and tools but you're still kind of making the trade off that yeah at the end of the day though it's it's individuals interactions so almost turning those four statements of the agile manifesto into strategic statements around even over choices 
excellent i think even over i will probably uh, take that uh, and i to the next session call i think it's a very powerful statement in fact uh, i use this uh, agile manifestos this over that it means that you have actually consciously saying that this is much better than the other choice which is which is equally good so that's the hardest thing uh, okay when we speak about over i think uh, one of the things that uh, we have done this exercise uh, uh, in the past where uh, we built we brought in a few of the you know change makers you will the change agents uh, to create uh, you know a manifesto for the organization if you have to rewrite i think that's a fun exercise uh, to actually do and it's a more than what is the outcome it also helps in terms of critical thinking in terms of saying what has not worked and how do you ensure that uh, we are bit, we are paving the uh, for the right future in fact uh, if you uh, think about it even the tools right i mean i cannot even uh, you know imagine having a different G, uh, jira as well as rally software or a mingle multiple tools in the same organization it um, bringing the empiricism evidence is hard to do if you have too many of them so it's like tools are critical important but uh, how do you ensure that uh, that doesn't make the headline i mean that stays as a sub headline rather than a major headline right? mm. that's a that's hard how do you make um, shift that conversation um, you not long ago one of my engagements some somebody had i had called me and said hey can you be a coach to select a tool uh select a tool uh, help me help us select an enterprise tool and and i said after that what no that is all we want you to do it's like so have you had such funny uh, you know interactions uh, uh, um i mean I, i guess most organizations are going to now already have a tool um or or they're already kind of going through that process um so yeah i, I don't get involved in the selection but 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 tooling is you know it's always there particularly you know um with with the the distributed global nature of of a lot of organizations or even just you know post covid where everybody's working at home you know how how do you share that information so suddenly yeah tooling tooling becomes the benefit i think um the the risk of the tooling is where the the tooling becomes uh it's like the tail starts wagging the dog so the tooling starts defining the process so so i always think of tooling again it, choosing and using and how you how you use a tool is is a tactical decision um so one i want to tie that but strategy is like how do we think this tool's going to help us what what is it we're actually we're trying to achieve with the tool rather than using the tool for the tool's sake um and the tool just being mandated um so typically it's around collaboration visibility transparency you know maybe kind of coordination okay um how how do we how do we um know whether those things are right and and ultimately i think most of these things come back down to to flow metrics from an agile perspective is like actually what we're trying to do is is achieve flow we're trying to get things done more quickly so so the if we want to measure flow and and the kind of and this is where the i guess the it becomes a a a virtuous circle actually those tools become really good for for measuring flow because they capture all that stuff automatically so if you say that actually what we want to do with the 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 tool is going to help us measure flow and the tel- tool can help us capture flow then actually how we use the tool should be all about flow 
So looking at your cycle time, looking at your throughput, but also then things like blockers. So typically what you're trying to do with the tool is 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 manage and, and manage that coordination and dependencies between teams. That's effectively those blockers. So how can we look at where is work blocked? Where do we have lots of work in progress? Let's use the tool for that, not about um, you know, just telling people what they should be doing when and, and using it as a task management system. Um, so that way you can you can get the benefits of the tool and and they're really powerful benefits of the tool um, without them becoming kind of, you know, uh, just a, a, a mechanism for micromanaging. Yeah. Or, and, or and yeah, box checking. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have sprints set up in your tool? You know, do you do, do you have people assigned to your tool? Are you are you have estimates in tools? I, I don't care. You know, are you tracking the work? Do you know when the work starts? Do you know when the work finishes? And do you do you track in the amount of work you have in progress between those two points? Um, and is work flowing? That's what I'm interested in. Uh, and, and flow is a, a, a simple four-letter word, right? I have used flow metrics in my uh, in my in my engagements. That's super powerful to say that you know the moment you start measuring flow and ensuring that teams are. Uh, doing it correctly without gaming it, I think it's, it becomes very, very powerful. Um, I mean, uh, it doesn't have to be a project organization. It doesn't have to be a product. It could be a project organization as well. But uh, just the fact that you're measuring what you're building and you know when you call it done and as a done done, I think that builds power and it also empowers a lot, large extent to the teams also. Yeah, and that's a that's a that can be a powerful conversation. Just well, when is the clock going to start ticking? When are we going to find, say, our kind of our, our commitment point or our starting point? Um, often, different people have will have different perspectives on when that is. Um, so, just getting agreement on that, and then similarly, when do we call work done? Um, and that those are great examples of things where I I might not agree with what they want to do. But hey, that's those are classic things where you can do. Well, let's let's try that as an experiment. Let's see see what happens. Um, at the very least, you're going to start capturing some flow metrics, and that's probably a good thing for the team. So the you know potentially the the benefits might outweigh the costs. But then we can kind of going well. Actually, yeah, that that doesn't feel now. We now we've got those starting endpoints in place. Now we can get a feel for do they feel right? Uh, well, what about this 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 piece? Well, we're working on something here that's not within our. It's not captured by our flow metric, so maybe we need to adjust those boundaries slightly. Um, I guess the the other conversation that usually comes out of that is, you know, as soon as you start capturing those metrics, people don't like the data that comes out of it. Um, but again, that's um, that's just a conversation around. Well, okay, that's interesting. What can we learn from that? Like, what's is the data right, or is our perception right? What's 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 causing that difference, and what do we do with that? You know, do we update our use of the tool to make it because it's not capturing reality, or actually, do we just need to accept that reality is not what we thought it was, and we need to, and, and actually, we've just learned something. Uh, many times, I think uh, often people say the tool is a problem. Then you say, "Hang on a minute," and this is what we did, and this is the process we followed, and that's. Uh, that is when I've, I've had a lot of aha moments saying that, oh, that is what it means. I think I think sometimes that's when the self-realization kicks in. And I find uh, that point very exhilarating as a coach. I wanted to get into a dance at that point, but you know, let them yeah. figure it out. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, and and sometimes that is from a from a coaching perspective. It's you know the old joke about that. And I, I don't remember exactly the the way it is, but you know, the the guy goes to the doctor and says, you know, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I stick my finger in my eye. Like, and the doctor just says, well, don't do that. You know, teams kind of when teams are complaining about the tools, it's because just quite often they're using the tool in a stupid way, and you just kind of go, well, don't do that then. <laughs> but 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 often they think they have to do that because that's what the process says. Um. And and therefore, what you're doing is kind of giving them freedom to to kind of go well, try something else out. If you don't think that's right, if that's not what, what's your hypothesis, what what do you want to test that you think might be a better way? And so you, you then that's that coaching coaching organisations just to to try things out, try small steps, and learn from that rather than just kind of try and implement what they think should be the right answer, what they've been told is the right answer. And that's when cooking happens, uh, cooking, yeah. cooking for the answers. So, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, you are an um, avid speaker in, uh, you know, many, and you also write quite a few blogs uh, in LinkedIn and you do consulting engagements. Um, I mean, how do you really balance all these things? Uh, I mean, any tips that you want to share? Uh... Um, I mean, I guess that... Okay. That that's another thing that's going to depend on context. So at the moment, you know, I I work for for Tech Systems. Um, you know, Tech Systems we're a, we're a services consulting organisation. So we we make our money from going out helping organisations. So there's an element of it's you know there's there's the just you know the business health that I have to be aware of that I know. Um, but if I'm not out helping enough organisations or, or as a, as a as a you know as our practice or not then um we're just a, we're just burning money um so there's that that's part of the balance is just 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 economics um i guess the other balance then then comes back to to a little bit about about what's our strategy so how do we how do we choose how we spend our time is is our strategy and our, some of our strategies around then the way we go out and and sell our services and, and decide which services we want to sell and how we're going to go about selling those services and then some of that requires developing collateral case studies you know material that we can you know um, empower the sales team with um, maybe going out and doing some internal training some of those sorts of things and then there's you know maybe there's a you know think of it as a, a, a marketing strategy how we, we want to go there and get our, get the brand out in the market so some of that um, the, the public speaking is 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 you know I, I enjoy it um but there's an element of you know i'm doing it i'm not doing it as me i'm doing it as tech systems as my, my organization um so that's i guess that's the way i think about it now you know when i was well even when i was you know before i joined tech systems i was you know an independent consultant um you know there was there was i guess it was the you know maybe the balance was slightly different but it was the, still the same for what's my strategy in terms of my my client base um and my mix of clients and you know how i'm going to make sure that i've got enough money coming in to to pay the mortgage um and then um you know my personal development which is around with then you know blogging and you know how, how I, I you know i guess there was a personal marketing you know your personal brand of that's what the blogging and the speaking is about um i don't i i guess this there's i don't think there's a you know a right answer Again, it's it's like let's let's try things, let's see what's working, and um, let's let's make sure that we have um, indicators such that if we're doing the wrong thing, we we find out early. So how are we going to detect 
when something wrong is happening so when we're overdoing something or underdoing something and and then you're just constantly adjusting and trying to find the right balance wow you're actually i mean really practicing what you preach in terms of having indicators having those lagging and leading indicators right mm -hmm. uh, i know you've been a community builder as well uh you've been uh, in brighton uh, brighton you have um, yeah. you co-founded the lean agile and earlier also i think you had uh, co-founded some of the other uh, you know lean agile uh, networks and systems right uh, i mean why community why do you why are you because most of these community events are more more often than not are voluntary not paid for right mm. so um, what makes it happen because I, I enjoy it as well but i just wanted to hear your take of it I, it's, it's it's all about learning for me so um i guess in 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 my early days of my agile journey um i and i was i was back then i was working for the bbc in london um and that's when we started ex i started experimenting with with you know back then it was extreme programming um and then it was the early days of scrum but we were just i was just you know i was just reading stuff and kind of going this sounds cool i want to try this stuff out but lots of questions so i used to go to extreme tuesday club which was the kind of the weekly meetup in london you know, before meetup as a you know as, as an organization as a you know that the, the 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 kind of the, the 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 website was formed but um yeah we just you know you just meet up with a bunch of agile folk in the pub on a tuesday night and we'd talk about stuff um, and then they started the the XP Day conference. So so I learned a huge amount from that community that was willing to give their time to me. So there's there's an element of me saying, well, actually, now I want to give my time back. Um, I, I benefited hugely from that community. So um, I, I want to make sure the community keeps going. Um, I, I guess the other big influence, then maybe the thing between setting up lean agile brighton so lena i mean lean agile brighton as a, as a meetup again was a similar sort of okay how can i then support and grow a community in in my local community down in brighton um um and then from the conference perspective i guess i you know hugely inspired by chris mcdermott who set up lean agile scotland um and his premise there was um it, instead of having to go to other conferences to see speakers um why can't i get the speakers to come to me <laughs> so he set up the conference basically get all these cool great speakers to come to edinburgh and i thought yeah okay i, I can I'd, i could do that in brighton so to me it's again the running the conference is is part of the, the community but it's part of saying not everybody can go to, go to travel to conferences but if i can bring people to to brighton um so you know i really enjoy putting together that you know that program once a year and kind of going okay who's I, we kind of joke that it's just you know me getting my friends down to Brighton and that there is an element of that but yeah a lot of it is is what new stuff is there coming out that that I want to hear about that I can then invite speakers down so there's you know there's a selfish element to it a little bit there so um got one of the guys from the team topologies community last year because that's again you know, something I'm really interested in at the moment I want to learn more about so I can read the book I've read the book but you know actually talking to the people that are doing it you learn so much more. And that is the fun part of it, right? In terms of uh, you letting loose and say, okay, what else is happening out there? And uh, while uh, you want to learn from making mistakes, um, wouldn't it be better to learn from somebody else's mistakes so that you don't repeat it, right? It's a, and it's a, so, so for some reason, I find all the community spaces very safe 
I don't know if uh, that's the case across the board, but all the communities that I have been in mm-hmm. has been extremely safe in terms of collegial um, giving as well as ensuring that um, you don't overstate things. You don't understate as well so that uh, people learn from you as a person and you also do the same thing across. I think um, I, I love the part where you built a great community in uh, Brighton and I hope you get more and more uh, conferences in Brighton itself, uh, Carl. <laughs> and, <Yeah>, me too. <laughs> so, uh, I, I know we are uh, on time. Um, so, uh, it's been great conversation, Carl, so far. Um, uh, we uh, have uh, m- many software engineers listen to this um, across the board. Any messages that you want to share from your own journeys, uh, Carl? Um, I know, just... just stay curious um you know there's there's always new things out there to learn try things you know don't be worried about making mistakes i think uh you know as long as they're they're small sector failed mistakes that that don't <laughs> don't cost lives or companies or you know put people out of jobs you know we don't want to be taking too many risks but um yeah i think um constant constant learning and, and just being um I don't, know, I don't know whether humble is the right word but you know recognizing that we we don't know everything and we there, there is a lot we can learn from lots of people Excellent. Stay humble, say stay curious. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Carl. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for being in Software People Story. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the Software People stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com.